The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Welcome back. This is Nature of Business, and I'm your host, Chrissy Coughlin. Thank you for sticking around on this fine Wednesday. We have on the line right now Chris Erickson. He is the CEO of Climate Earth. Chris is a serial entrepreneur and accomplished Fortune 500 executive. He founded Climate Earth to address corporate fossil fuel dependency and climate change. Chris brings his experience as CEO of several venture-funded startups. He co-founded Cooler, the world's first carbon-neutral online shopping mall. At Red Brick Systems, he led the company from $1 million to $40 million in revenue in a successful IPO. Previously, Chris was VP at Tandem Computers, where he established an industry-focused strategy for global telecommunications and led an international staff of 600, as well as managed revenue of over $330 million. He holds a BA in economics from UC Santa Barbara and an MBA from UC Berkeley Haas School of Business, and his business is also located in San Francisco, so he's a true Cali boy through and through. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Chrissy. Um, <laughs> I've never been called a Cali boy before. There's always a first time. That's true. <laughs> I did live in Texas for three years. For, oh, for a whole three years? Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Well, you know, I mean, you went to, you, it seems as if you, but you were born, I assume, in California, right? I was. You're a Cali I'm boy. A I confess. <laughs> no, it's good. I've spent many, many years out in California. I love it. Um, so just so you know, we have in, in, in the studio uh, Eric McNulty. Um, he is a uh, friend of mine and a thought leadership strategist, and we had him on the, uh, on the air for the first uh, part of the show. So he may pipe in with a question or two if, if he feels so inspired. But uh, why don't we start with um, delving into what Climate Earth does and tell us a little bit more about yourself and how your background has led you to found Climate Earth. Okay, um, sure. Uh, I'm actually sort of an escapee from Silicon Valley. My background is primarily in computers and in particular in enterprise software, uh, sort of big software for big companies. Um, sort of more specifically, as, as you said in, in my introduction, um, you know, I have sort of a diverse background. I've been an executive at a Fortune 500, um, uh, and I've run a number of startups, in, including um, an IPO in a company called Redbrick, which was a data analysis company, sort of one of the first ever big data companies. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, that has a lot of influence on what Climate Earth is today. Um, Actually, my interest, my personal interest, and when I think about my career, it has been on big data um, and how do you use data and facts to make better business decisions for management. Um, that's what Redbrick was all about, mm -hmm. and in some sense, that's what Climate Earth is all about. Um, I've spent now about six or seven years in environmental analysis as well, and sort of the environmental and, or sustainable business intelligence, as we as we like to call it. Uh, and I think that pretty sums up pretty well sums up uh, my background. Okay, great. So um, let's 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 delve into a little bit more about what Climate Earth is is doing. Um, you know, we hear we hear about environmental reporting, GRI is a, is a term that's thrown around a lot in the enviro-sustainability world. Um, it's pretty standard now how much CO2 is emitted. We hear about when we fly from, let's say, California to Boston, how you can reduce your CO2 emissions as a passenger by buying back, uh, you know, that, that 
that emission. Um, but you argue that this is just the beginning, and, and Climate Earth offers a platform to discover new opportunities to increase revenue, reduce costs, manage risk um, across the supply chain. Let, uh, can you elaborate on this? Of course I can. <laughs> Would you so? <laughs> uh, so let me just say a little bit about the roots of the company. Sure. Um, uh, myself and Andrew Dietz and Carter Brooks founded the company um, essentially because we thought these really big companies had a great big lever for uh, for moving the moving the needle on climate change and now and on sustainability. But that they, they lacked a real infrastructure to manage sustainability, I mean really manage like you would a, as an enterprise, um, to realize this potential. I mean, we used to, I used to like to say, you know, how can we make the biggest economic force on the planet the biggest environmental force? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and the environmental reporting systems that you talk about tended to focus on, well, what's our emissions inside the four walls and what's our power bill? And that's sort of interesting data, but it's really narrow. Um, and, you know, it, it's, they're not, when we looked at that, we said, okay, this is really isolated environmental reporting. And in some sense, and I hate to say this, it's interesting, but it's useless to management if you put a hat on that says, how am I going to manage a sustainable, an enterprise in a sustainable fashion? I mean, think about it. You can't run a business with two rudders, right? right. Um, you wouldn't imagine managing an enterprise with lots of little isolated systems reporting carbon here and there. Um, so we thought the companies that were calling these management systems were using the term pretty loosely. Um, and and so we, we decided we needed to take a kind of a deeper look. And I'm going to be a little conceptual, but we thought there was three keys to really effectively uh, manage sustainably. Mm -hmm. Uh, Three sort of system keys. One we call coverage, the second is integration, and the third is scale. So by coverage, we meant, okay, we gotta look at everything. We've gotta look inside the four walls as well as the supply chain up and down. You know, an executive isn't gonna, you know, wouldn't be making financial decisions that if they didn't have all the data about their business. And the same thing has to apply for sustainability. Um, By integration, we said, okay, these things can't be standalone. Uh, You need one cohesive data model uh, essentially extending the current management and reporting system structure. And the metrics need to be in financial context. Like, I need to look at profitability versus carbon intensity, uh, not just look at those standalone. So I can make smart business decisions. And I want to report by organizational structure. That is just the way I report and manage operationally, by business unit, by product line. So that's the integration piece. We need to be really part and parcel to the to the management systems. And then the system, we're saying system, the scale, I mean, most of the stuff we'd seen out there was was being done on spreadsheets. And, you know, this is a big data problem. And so that also gives you all the core capabilities like integrity, performance, global access across the web um, that, that you would need for a traditional management system. And, and honestly, we think we're maybe the first in the world to incorporate 
these and a lot of that comes because we put a different kind of expertise together most of the you know sort of LCA companies uh, are, are consultants and most of the software companies are software and we put the expertise for life cycle analysis the environmental analysis the environmental data and the enterprise systems expertise all together in one bucket and stirred it up to come up with the, the systems and I think we're doing pretty well mm-hmm. uh, the measure I like to look at is how many dollars do we have under management and right now it's about a hundred billion um, that's B with a, a billion with a B mm-hmm. uh, today, and it looks like we'll have 200 billion under management next year, and I can certainly see a trillion uh, in a couple more years. Hmm. Okay. Is that is that helpful? Yeah, no, that's very helpful. Um, I think that if our listeners, if we're losing them at all, we may be losing them off of life life cycle analysis. So, we, we can you explain to the listeners a little bit about? what that is. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you. Um, life cycle analysis is the science of looking at a product like a coffee cup and figuring out all the environmental impacts of creating that coffee cup. Um, you know, if it's made out of uh, if it's made out of glass, the extraction of the silicone, the heating and melting of the silicone, the pouring it into the form, the delivering it to the coffee shop, yeah. um, and understanding the environmental impacts of that of that product from cradle to gate. So that's that's what we mean when we say life cycle analysis. Okay, terrific. Chris, this is Eric. I want to jump in for just a moment. Um, one of the things, as I understand it, that differentiates big data from, say, traditional analytics is the integration of non-traditional data sources with traditional data sources. So maybe if you could help listeners out if you would give them a, a quick rundown of what are some of the sort of traditional sources you bring information in from and some non-traditional ones you found useful in putting things into a sustainability context. Okay, that's that's actually a perfect question. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, the Basically, we have experts here who know how to go inside the financial and management systems and extract the traditional data, that is, the purchase ledger, the general ledger trial balance, and download millions of transactions. And then sort of in the back room, we we marry those transactions with non-traditional data. The non-traditional data is the environmental impact data. So we look at, oh, they bought a thousand coffee cups for the cafeteria. We map, magically sort of map the environmental impact to that of that coffee cup purchase to the CO2, water, ozone depletion, emissions to air that were created in creating and delivering those coffee cups to the buyer. Um, so that's the merger of traditional data and non-traditional t- data. And then we, um, we, because we understand these, understand these enterprise systems, we, we can tweak out what's called their chart of accounts. That's how they, that's the codes for how they report managerially. Mm-hmm. And then we use those codes to report back to the management team so that basically everybody in the company that gets a budget, a financial budget, can now have an environmental impact budget to go along with it. Okay. Is that helpful? 
Absolutely. Yeah, and are companies using this um, just post-decision, or are they using it for pre-decision analysis and, uh, and to inform I'm sorry, I couldn't hear the... I say, are the companies using this uh, for pre-decision uh, forecasting or just for post-decision analysis? Uh, they're actually almost 100% using it for strategic, first for strategic planning, that's figuring out where the heck we are, mm-hmm. um, and then um, using the data to set priorities and direction, and then using the reporting systems to track progress. I mean, a classic um, strategic planning and then management kind of system. It's a very different cut at sort of traditional environmental analysis, which has been focused, as I said, on, you know, reporting the footprint inside the four, inside the four walls. That's my electricity bill. And, you know, that's not even, usually for a company that makes a real product, you know, manufactures something, that energy and impact inside their manufacturing plant is about 20% or less uh, of their entire impact. And and the real action and the leverage is out in the supply chain. What they buy, the materials they use, um, the delivery, the packaging, everything around that supply chain, uh, both upstream and downstream, is is where the strategic leverage lies. Wow. Terrific. So... This is a perfect opportunity then to, to get into a few examples. Um, I know that you've had the opportunity to work with some relatively and, and rather large, large companies. Uh, some you are allowed to mention their names and some you're not, but there are a few you are, and it'd be great for you to walk us through um, some of the, the work that you're doing currently. Okay. Let, let me talk about two. Uh, the first one is a big company but not a Fortune 100. Okay. And the company's called U.S. Concrete. Uh, this is one of the top concrete producers in the country. It's a Texas-based company. Um, and they're, a, they're becoming a real leader. And I'd, I put them in the all leaders are not obvious category. <laughs> um, and let me give you a little bit of background. Um, First of all, concrete is not cement. You know, when you walk to work today on the sidewalk, it's not made out of cement. Cement, It's a concrete sidewalk, and cement is the glue that holds it together. It makes it hard. Um, And the manufacture of cement, traditional cement, accounts for about 9% of all uh, emissions in the United States. It's a huge number. And every ton of cement adds one ton of CO2 to the atmosphere. Uh, and, tr- and most of the major concrete manufacturers are wedded to this old technology. And But U.S. Concrete looked at this and said, wait a minute, is this dirty old concrete the future, really? Mm. And, and they said, no, we need to change everything. Um, and so as one of the top concrete manufacturers in the world, uh, we started working with them about four years ago. And the first thing we did was we put together an executive dashboard um, for every executive in the company. But the top guy can look at, um, on his dashboard, he's got how many gallons of water do I use per yard of sales? <clears throat> What's my average carbon footprint per yard of sales, and what's my profit per yard? I mean, this is a radically new way to look at at a business. Mm. Um, And water and CO2 are both energy and cost as well as environmental impact. So it's a a powerful lens. And then the second thing we've done more recently 
is he has about 18,000 products, believe it or not. You can mix concrete in all different ways with different strengths. And so we've connected into their core business systems. I think this is critical, um, what Eric was mentioning. And we extract material, everything the concrete is made out of, the pricing, and all the performance attributes. That's, you know, how many pounds per square inch can it hold up? You know, if you're building a bridge, you need really heavy-duty 12,000 PSI. If you're building a sidewalk, 3,000 PSI pounds per square inch is fine. And we created a catalog for them so that for the first time in the world, architects, engineers, and general contractors can log on to a system Say, I want, you know, 12,000 PSI concrete with so much water and so much of this and that. What can I get? And up pops a screen that shows the mixes that meet those criteria plus, and this is the innovation, all the environmental impacts of those mixes. Hmm. So they can now make revenue and business decisions based on environmental impacts. So the system is driving revenue. You know, architects and on- contractors can see the differentiation in the product and make better decisions. It's driving innovation because these guys have a lab um, full of PhDs from Purdue uh, designing new mixes every day. Yeah. And they're gaining a long-term competitive advantage in their, in their world, and they're creating a cleaner greener planet. Mm-hmm. Um, we think they're an extraordinary company, actually, uh, a real leader. Right. And they're, they're um, not only empowering the, the, the people in the lab, it sounds like it's in, it's it, what's what it, what's happening with this dashboard is it's somewhat turning everybody in the business into a, a sustainability manager because they're yeah, empowered the, with those tools right in their screen. Yeah. The sales VP has um, a, a dashboard that looks at the sales operations. And, and how many, what's, what's his target for uh, selling cleaner, greener contract? What's the CO2 per yard? Right. Um, the, the, the operations person looks, can compare each of the operating efficiencies of each of the plants that manufacture concrete. Um, and so it's really a, a completely new lens for them. Plus, their sales guys are out with their laptops. I mean, this is pretty radical change for the concrete industry, which is kind of a, you know, traditionally kind of you think of as a good old boy network. Um, but they're selling now upstream to very sophisticated architects and general contractors with an online uh, system. Are they are they moving the needle in the industry in the sense that, that uh, other competitors are paying attention and, and adopting some of these, some of what they're doing? I mean, are, are they... Frankly, yeah. um, they're getting some resistance okay. uh, from the industry. Uh, there is a huge uh, vested interest in what's called Portland Cement. Um, I have to say that they're fortunate and they're one of the major concrete companies that doesn't own their Portland Cement plant, which is a half a billion dollar investment. So they they can substitute and engineer new types of glue okay. uh, to pour into the mix uh, without... Uh, you know, without hurting the return on investment in major capital equipment. Um, that actually was a trig- an enabling trigger for them. Uh, what they thought 10 years ago might be a competitive disadvantage turned into a competitive advantage right. for them. Right. Well, you, you mentioned uh, one other company you were going to highlight. Who is this? Yeah. Um, this is a... 
a Fortune 100 client. And these are interesting because we're talking about millions and millions of, of data records. Um, and they're asking us companies the questions like, like Eric suggested, you know, fundamentally, how can we shape and manage a longer-term strategy? Um, okay, we want it. We, we see the opportunity to reduce cost and build our brand and maybe build revenue, but how do we get our, can you help us get our arms around all this data? Mm-hmm. Um, so help us understand and evaluate and focus resources. This particular client had a $25 billion supply chain covering 60 countries, and they had tried two or three times over a three-year period to understand the environmental impacts using really smart uh, PhDs with with laptops and spreadsheets, <laughs> and they couldn't do it. Right. Um, so now they're looking at not only what suppliers can we influence, but what industry sectors can we influence? What materials are high impact? How can we change out those materials? And the other thing that I find kind of funny is they're they're saying, how can they're asking I mean, using the system to avoid what they call random acts of greenness? <laughs> um, you know, one of the the client had just completed. Um, I'll use that term again, life cycle analysis uh, with consultants spent $100,000 on deep dive analysis. And then we came in and looked at everything across the board and that particular material wasn't even in their top 25. So was that a good thing for them to do? Hmm. Maybe, but if you'd had a management perspective, you probably would have spent that money elsewhere. Right, right. So what what are you, what kind of feedback are you getting from these companies? Are you are what is what is what is what is the reason why your repertoire is being being built upon so rapidly and you have growing customer base? What what, um, are, what what's differentiating you? Well, uh, I mean in some ways I have to go back to the, you know, I am a software guy, so I have to go back to the um, I think the companies, what they're telling me is that, you know, sometimes in different language, but the integration of with their business systems, in integration of environmental data with their business systems, the coverage of everything, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the leading companies will even now talk down their initial efforts, which were focused on, you know, just CO2 reporting inside the four walls. They'll say, well, that was kind of eco-efficiency, and now it's time to get strategic. So the coverage and scale is critical. Um, They feel like they're getting real insight, taking real action. Um, As I mentioned, avoiding random acts of greenness. Mm -hmm. You know, when the VP of sustainability has all kinds of enthusiastic employees coming in and wanting to do things, you know, enthusiasm is one reason to do something. Another reason is sort of what's the return on investment and how should we prioritize this? Of course. And, uh, I actually had one Fortune 100 VP said to me just a couple of weeks ago when I was visiting. He said, you know, Chris, this is the future. Uh, we, have, we can't find any other way to manage uh, th- these environmental and sustainability concerns without a comprehensive system. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're delighted, of course, to hear that, and, and we think there's just a lot of basic logic to it. Right, right. And you're you're working closely with the the academic community out there in in the Bay Area. Is that right? Uh, we are working with the academic community pretty much all over the country. Okay. Um, 
You know, one of the things that I think is the both a strength and weakness of of this whole area is companies are really wanting to understand that you've got good science and academics behind you, but it's and and so do we. So we've partnered closely uh, with UC Berkeley. We've done a joint project with them, academic commercial project. Um, we've partnered really closely with Purdue University. We've had one of the top water experts, Dr. Inez Waugh, uh, spend a year with us. Um, we founded the Carbon Leadership Forum up at uh, University of Washington with one of our customers, and they're working on ways to label construction products environmentally. Um, and of course, we're a member of the, the corporate program at the Bren School, which is UC Santa Barbara, and the chief the scientist and researcher that has produced a lot of the core data we use in our system, Dr. Sue, is, is down there. Mm-hmm. Um, we think it helps us with innovation, staying on the cutting edge, and, um, and, and helping us make sure that we can um, help our clients move the needle on, on climate change and sustainability. Great. Well, I've just been, I've just been given the five-minute the five minute warning here, but I've got a, a bunch of questions. Um, I do want to ask you, uh, I, I read s- that someone was advising companies to go slow with environmental reporting and to be prepared to basically chuck all of the work in a couple of years and start over. How do you respond to that? Um, well, I'd first say look to the source. I mean, I don't know who said that. Uh-huh. Um, second, uh, I'd say, like everything else, companies should implement systems that are flexible and will adopt to a change. And, you know, last of all, I'd say that, you know, sustainability is a huge trend. And I have to say, you know, sort of if I put my business on when and how to invest is a strategic question. Early adopters potentially gain competitive advantage. The risk mm-hmm. is that they they spend a little bit too much money too early. Um, companies that hold back, laggards, which can be, you know, try to protect short-term profit, you know, that can work, but sometimes it's when it's too late. You know, I think the results can be disastrous. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. pick your medicine right. is what I'd say. Okay. All right. I like that. So I'm going to combine my, my last question, my last two or three questions into one question. Um, it's, it's about really what's coming down the pike for climate earth. Um, I want to know sort of what we're going to be reading on, let's say, greenbiz.com in the next few months to a year. And is there a specific sector where you see the greatest potential for future business for climate earth? Okay, I'm going to ask, answer the first one, the second one first, and okay. simply say that we like to look for um, markets where we think there's an intersection of environmental impact and market opportunity, and that's um, industries like construction, which is there's clearly a trend for, for green building, food, where people care about what they eat, consumer products, where uh, company people are less but still starting to be concerned um, about the you know what goes into those products uh, clearly physical so construction food and consumer products is the short answer mm-hmm. uh, and obviously physical goods not services uh, and and still this is an early adoption market so we tend to work with leaders in all of those sectors and I think that'll continue for a while in terms of what's coming down the pike we think there's a really interesting trend opening up uh, called natural capital accounting. Um, 
at Rio de Janeiro, there was a, you know, Rio Plus 20, the 20-year conference on sustainability and environment. 50 countries and 86 companies endorsed this notion of natural capital accounting. Uh, and the idea is to put a dollar valuation on natural assets like clean air, clean water for us. This is really interesting. Um, you know, this means that, to give an example, an executive would now look and say their ozone depletion is costing $25 million, their GHG is $40 million, and their emissions to water is $60 million. So they see their impacts in dollar terms, mm-hmm. and it helps them, you know, just seeing it in their own language, I think it's going to make a huge impact on their ability to understand and act. And, and we see that as a very, very interesting development. Um, we think we've got a really great platform uh, for helping companies, what I like to say is monetize their environmental impacts, and then, and then drill down from there into what's really strategically important. Um, you know, I, we fundamentally believe that these big companies, um, they're, the, they're the most powerful forces on earth economically, and they, this is another real key to make them the most powerful environmental force on the planet. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time. This has been a really rich discussion. Uh, I very much appreciate it, and uh, so does Eric. <laughs> thank you, Chris. It's a delight to talk to you. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, appreciate all the thoughtful questions, and, and uh, just thank you very much. All right. We will talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. 